Hey, well, welcome to The Other Six. This is episode 27 of The Other Six podcast. I'm here today with Lead Pastor Adam. My name is Matt, and I am excited today about our topic. Um, How are you doing today, man? I'm good. You know what I was thinking about? What were you thinking about? 27 episodes in. We may have some people who have started listening to this since we started, and they don't know why we call this the Other Six Podcast. Oh. So maybe we should tell people why, because <laughs> we meet on Sundays, <laughs> and it's the and other. This, then there's the other six days. Of yeah, the week, yeah. Right. And this podcast was just kind of a, a an idea to maybe try to help people grow in right. their faith as yeah. a part of our Vaughn Force family, and. Um, I've had a few people tell me since we started this that they would rather listen to the podcast than my sermons. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about that? Well, I don't know. I didn't know if I was supposed to take that as a compliment or not. I actually think it's reflective of different learning styles. I think so, so yeah, yeah. I think it's fun that for some, they get more out of this conversation than the message. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> well, that that is cool. Yeah. Uh, but no, I had a great weekend and... Uh, Got to do some more basketball games. We've only got one more weekend left. So I heard your basketball about team is. I'm so uh, proud of these kids, man. It's just fun watching kids develop. You yeah. know, I got a, my little team, Henry's little team, uh, eight of them, and all eight of them scored on Saturday. <laughs> so that's fun when you see little four, five, six year olds making baskets. So yeah, yeah man, good weekend. Um, what about you? Have it, any relaxation around? Uh, yeah, man, I didn't do anything there last week. Go. I had a retreat, and uh, that was that was fun, um, exhausting, but fun. You know, you you know. Teenagers remind you how much, how much older you are, oh, yeah. and uh, yeah, definitely <laughs> how much sleep you need and how little they need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, good. Sounds like it was relaxing. Yeah, yeah, man. It was good. Catch Chad's not here today, so That's, we miss Chad. He is. He is at Disneyland. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Land or world? World. Okay. Yeah. Land. Well, I don't California. know the. I don't know yeah, the yeah, difference. Yeah, yeah. Gotta get your term straight, Matt. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Disneyland's in California. He Disney would, World is in Orlando. So he, big yeah, difference. Yeah. Big between big the two. difference. Yes. Yeah. He's in Florida, there not California. All right. Uh, Have fun, yeah. Chad. I'm sure he's listening. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's definitely listening. But yeah, I'm sure he's having a great time. Him down there with Christy. He left the kids. He did, he went by. by yeah, they're they're <laughs> right outside. So uh, hey, guys, no, <laughs> they have family members. So yeah, the children yeah, the, okay. The children okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's dive into the conversation we're having yesterday. Uh, you talked about uh, technology with family and interacting with that. So why is technology become an issue right now, and how do we get out of I guess this digital mess? That yeah, we're in? yeah, and you know, technology has been awesome in a lot of ways. So um, yeah, it's man. kind of become an issue. For some things, but you know, I, I was thinking about this this morning, knowing we just you know talked about this in our service, and mm-hmm. we're gonna have this podcast conversation. I couldn't remember if it was 2005 or 2006, mm-hmm. but it was 2006. So 2006, the Time person uh, of the year, Time magazine. So in 2006, people still bought magazines and they read them. <laughs> what? But the I Time, still buy magazines. The Time about? person of the year was you. So it was kind of this really fun thing they did where it was a computer screen with like a Mylar cover okay. on the cover of the magazine. So when you looked at the magazine, the time person of the year was you. Mm-hmm. And then under it, like the subtitle was something like, you know, you've taken the internet to a whole different place. And so how old were you in 2006? I was 16. Okay, so you're 16 years old. Um, the, the idea there was they were recognizing almost like this 2.0 iteration of the internet. Okay. So the internet for, you know, the late eighties, all of the nineties into the two thousands, it was really about content distribution. Okay. You know, so the New York times had to figure out how do we get our articles online? Mm-hmm. You know, if you've seen, ever seen the clip of Bryant Gumbel and Katie Couric back in the day of the today show in uh-huh. 1994, having a conversation about what is this internet thing? Yeah, like, yeah. They look like they're from another planet, you know, but the, I mean, <laughs> as, as late as 1994, you know, people were still trying to figure out like, what is the internet? I can remember when I was doing model United Nations as a high school student, like we would represent different countries. Mm-hmm. There was a university in our town and me and my buddies would go to that university so we could get online and research and download and print these articles. And when I went to debate at the tournament, I was the only student that actually had the paperwork for which we were debating about. <laughs> so that gave me an upper hand. So, you know, this is, so 2006, what they're acknowledging is user-created yeah, content. Yeah. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. MySpace, all of these things were starting to come about. The first iPhones come out in 2007. Yeah, I moved did. to New York City in 2007. So 2000. Did you have an iPhone? No, 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 no. I'm a yeah. late adopter when it comes to technology. Yeah. So 2007 to 2011, we're living in New York City. Um, I had an old school iPod. 
Okay. Um, everybody listens to stuff yeah, when they yeah. walk around New York. So the last hour every day at my office, don't tell my boss, but but what I was doing was downloading things on my iPod that I could listen on my way home from work. Right. So like that, I mean, download it. Yeah. It's on that drive. You're listening. Like no, I didn't know anybody that had an iPhone until about six months after they came out. Then you know, since I'm in New York, you're surrounded by early adopters, mm-hmm. and so I started seeing them. Um, I got my first iPhone uh, the month after Jacob was born. Okay. So that would have been December of 2011. Oh, wow. And which is why I have tons of pictures of Jacob as a baby <laughs> and like two of Sam. <laughs> so when Sam's, difference there. Sam's born in 2009, I don't have a phone with a camera on it, but Jacob, you know. So I've lived through all of those shifts mm-hmm. and changes over the last 10 to 15 years. And, you know, the biggest difference that's happened was, you know, you used to have to seek out technology. Yeah. You know, you would have to go find somewhere where you had to hook up a high-speed internet connection with a cable, (laughs) right? Yeah. Now it's Um, like if you don't get Wi-Fi. You you had to, like, go find it. Yeah. You know, Um, obviously now it finds us with, Mm -hmm. you know, all the things. So, you know, all all of those changes that, that started off as convenience and helping us get connected to one another and all of these different things, um, are allowing us to continue to do some things conveniently. They're allowing mm-hmm. us to be able to connect. They're allowing us to do something like this. Right, yeah. I did a podcast in 2006. I bet it was completely different there than were like, it is now. <laughs> there were like three. <laughs> and we still didn't get anybody to listen to it. Yeah. But it was me and some buddies, and I was a college pastor, and we were doing some user-created content via podcast for um, college students. Yeah. And no one listened. Uh, I mean, no one even knew what we were doing, and I didn't know what we were doing. But my buddy thought it was a great idea, and he had the he had like a studio. He's, he was a um, record. He, he's made CDs. And yeah, so he had all the recording engineer. So yeah, so all the technology has been around for a while. Now your question was like, how to get it in this mess? Yeah, like how did it escalate into that? Right. So it's like anything else. Like if you don't put boundaries in place or Mm -hmm. safeguards in place or some rules in place or some restrictions in place. And I'm not talking about censorship, all the freedom of speech people are about to come after me. I'm talking about (laughs) your own personal lives. Not the government putting these things in place, us putting them in place. Eventually, a good thing becomes a God thing, and that's a bad thing. Uh, So anything in our lives that takes over our lives becomes bad. And I do think you know, technology used to be something that was a tool. I think now for a lot of people, it actually just kind of drives the narrative of their life and that's going to create a lot of challenges. So that's kind of what we're talking about specifically as it pertains to the next generation and the challenges they're going to have. Because they don't know any of the things I just described. No. All they've no. ever known is what we now have as yeah. reality. Yeah, they don't know what a iPod Nano is. Right, 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 right. <laughs> or anything, any yeah. of that stuff. I miss those. Uh, yeah, I know, man. It was really simple. Mm-hmm. You press play yeah. and it there you goes. goes. That's it. That's yeah. it. Now you got to go and find. So you know, kind of shifting gears. You know, talking about the access has been it's it's everywhere now. So what is the dangers of the access to this technology, both with kids and you know because adults deal with this too. So what what are you know with media platforms, screen time, and just the general internet? Like, what are the dangers of that? Well, I think the dangers are when you expect a child or a teenager to know how to manage this like an adult. Yeah. Well, adults don't do a good job of it either. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, teenagers and and kids, they don't have the emotional maturity to manage the technology that we're giving them. Um, But they think they do, and most parents think they do. Mm -hmm. So I I said this quote. It's from Kara Powell. Um, I like reading her stuff. She's kind of an expert on the next next generation. Let's see if I get this right. She said that, 14 is the new 21, and 30 is the new 18. Do what? So let that sink in for a second. 14 is the new 21, and 30 is the new 18. So what she's saying is by the time you're 14, you're acting like and thinking like what 21-year-olds used to be like. Okay. And it used to be that you became an adult when you were 18 and you moved out of your parents' house. Well, Uh now it's 30. Yeah. So what we've done is we've prolonged this season of adolescence. We started... We, we let them start acting like adults much earlier, and we let them start act, keep acting like kids much later. Okay, yeah. When I graduated I from college, nobody called a recent college grad a kid. Yeah. I graduated from college, and I was working full-time the next Monday, right? Right. <laughs> so now we'll refer to people up in their mid-20s as kids, you know? So it, 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 it's an interesting dynamic. Now, as it pertains to technology, we then think that our kids or our teenagers are going to be able to understand 
all the ramifications for where this technology could take them that's ultimately going to end up pretty destructive mm-hmm. in their lives. Um, we haven't put some things in place as parents. You know, it used to be back in the day, if a kid got picked on on a Friday at mm-hmm. school, and I'm not talking about like, you know, you know, me picking on you or you picking on me on this podcast. I'm talking <laughs> about straight bullying, like yeah. not good stuff. Right. The, if that kid got bullied on a Friday, he went home for the weekend and it wasn't good and he didn't like it, but he had a couple of days and then he was going to go back to school on Monday. Mm-hmm. Now, the bullying that takes place, um, it happens in real time at school and then it it transfers over to cyberbullying. So that kid comes home from school, and now it's all over everything online. There's no escape. Yeah, it's and and what happens to this kid and these kids that are that are bullied and cyberbullied? Like it, 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 it's nonstop. Mm -hmm. Um, And unfortunately, we know what happens. You know when that kind of stuff goes on. So there's just so many dangers. Um, yeah. that kids can run into with technology if the parents aren't the ones leading the way and providing the kind of guidance and coaching that's needed. And like you said, for some adults, that can be challenging as well. Yeah. So they can't provide what they don't have. <clears throat> right, yeah. And that's uh, that's exactly right. You know, I, I'm getting reminders on my, my phone that like I'm going way too long on screen time, you know. So I can't imagine putting that kind of pressure on a 10-year-old or a 13-year-old whenever they're, you know, starting to use their phones. Um but kind of switching gears on you a little bit, uh, we're let's go back to uh, the season where we were on lockdown and uh, we were having to gather online. That was the only way that we could gather, and people were saying that's good. And you said that there was a perception that digital togetherness is not the same as actual togetherness. Um, can you help me understand that and unpack that? Um, so had, if COVID had happened at any of the other times that we were mentioning earlier, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have had the technology yeah. to do what we did. Exactly. So what a blessing that was. Um, and our team did a fantastic job. And then we did the Facebook Live devotion Monday through Friday at Which was awesome. Which you know, the most nerve-wracking part of my day was the two <laughs> minutes leading up to it because I'm the one who was starting the broadcast. <laughs> Can you imagine Chad walking me through that over yeah, the phone? Yeah. You know? What do you call it? Mission control? That's yeah. Like. <laughs> well, so I'm like, do I push that button? Do I push that button? And, you know, and, so I, and then once it started, I didn't know, like, am I really on Facebook right now or let not? Let me just and tell you, you're not the only one, man. I've it been... was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, okay, we have this technology. Yeah. Let's do a Bible study together. Yeah. I can remember, Matt, this would have been, Lord have mercy, how old was 2003, 2004. Okay. I'm serving, I'm a full-time seminary student. Morgan and I are newlyweds. And I'm also serving as a student pastor at a small church. Um, got my, my little youth group. And we had like two or three Wednesday nights in a row where a snowstorm came through. We're living in Virginia, mm-hmm. so we canceled yeah, church. Yeah, yeah. And I, um, we couldn't do our Wednesday night Bible study. So I set up a chat room, uh, probably on AOL, AOL? yeah, and invited <laughs> all of them name? into. I have no idea. <laughs> and um, invite. Actually, my I was Skater Boy. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I do know. My screen name on AOL was Stinking Forty Five <laughs> because it was my favorite word and my favorite number, and I just decided <laughs> I'm Stinking Forty Five. So um, mine was Skate with the an eight. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, Skater Boy. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> man, I've seen a lot of churches that have those kind. Of, anyway, um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I invited them into a chat room, (laughs) and um, I would type out a question, and I distinctly remember thinking to myself, these kids, most of whom are pretty introverted and never discuss in a Bible Mm -hmm. study, are typing like crazy in this chat room. (laughs) They're typing faster you can answer. So it was kind of the first thing I saw were like this online, we're interacting with each other. Yeah, yeah. But um, man, if I could only have parlayed that into Facebook, right? (laughs) But uh, I'm just doing, you know, Bible study chat rooms. Yeah. So uh, anyway, you know, that, that's kind of back in the day, but we did the Facebook Live. We did yeah. the, you know, the devotions. We did all of our services online, um, and I'm grateful that we were able to do that. Mm-hmm. I do think that there w- that was for a season. Now, what's been interesting is post that season, it's made everything we do online better. Yeah. I, I would say that that Facebook devotion in many ways is what eventually led us to maybe even trying this. Yeah. You know, we're just trying new Absolutely. ideas. Absolutely, know, yeah. Our online service is broadcast a lot better than it was previous yes. to COVID, and we're really grateful for that. But 
When Jesus was ascending into heaven mm-hmm. and he looked at his disciples and he's giving them what we kind of call the Great Commission, you know, there's different kind of Matthew 28 gets recorded some way, you know, Acts chapter one, you know, go ye therefore, you know, preaching the gospel, you know, we did the be a light and we mm-hmm. used Acts 1 8 as our, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, yeah. ends of the earth. When Jesus is giving out these instructions, which we still heed to this day. I mean, this is what we've been called to do as a church. Mm-hmm. For the life of me, I can't think that what he had in mind was us doing that digitally and not with one another. <laughs> I just don't think that's what he had in mind. I yeah. don't think that he thought for 2,000 years of church history, they'll do this face-to-face, but at some point they'll be able to do this digitally, and that's when the church will finally become He'll what I'm thrive. asking it to yeah. be. So I think the technology is a tool to help us get the gospel message sure. out. It's a tool to help us c- connect with people, but it will never replace being with people. It Absolutely. will never replace being with God's people in person, worshiping together. Yeah. It will never replace being with God's people in some type of smaller setting, whether mm-hmm. that's a life group or a Sunday school class or whatever somebody yeah. you know wants to do. So it, it, it's a blessing, but the idea that it's the same no. It's just not true. And so I think that we've learned both of those things in the last two years. We've yeah. learned that it's a blessing and a great tool, but we've also learned that it never would take the place yeah. of being with one another. Yeah, as cool as FaceTime can be, right? it's not the same it's as not. being that, there with that person. That's right. Like, I learned that there's some really cool things you can do with FaceTime. Like, you can screen share if you're using the same Wi-Fi, but it's still not the same as sitting in the room and watching something with somebody. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, talking about, you know, this, that became like a normal thing for us. So um, how do we denormalize technology in this generation when that's kind of the only context that they can kind of see it as? Yeah. So kind of the premise I was working off of yesterday is this new reality where our digital lives and our real lives have converged. And some people don't even know like what that means because they're they're already, yeah, they've already kind of, you know, become one. So, you know, I have my life that I I live. Like I sat in meetings all morning this morning and Mm -hmm. I wasn't online. I wasn't doing anything online, you know? (laughs) And then when I ate my lunch, like I read some articles. I wanted to catch up on what's happening over in the Ukraine. And um, I checked Facebook and, you know, saw whose birthday it was, you know, stuff like that. But like I kind of live my life and then... I do a few things online. I'll post pictures. I'll comment here and there. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have like a fully integrated, but the next generation doesn't make those distinctions as clearly. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways I think we can do what you're asking is help them make that distinction. Yeah. Just let them have some times in the day where they don't have their phone on them. Yeah. Where the iPad is turned off. Remove them from the technology for set periods of time Yeah. and see how they do. It probably won't go well, you know, <laughs> like probably like a detox. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of them, their smartphone is almost just like an extension of their hand. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for ways to kind of help do that, like just have some times during the day. Hey, like when you get home from school, for the first hour you're home from school, like you, you're not going to do anything with technology. Right, yeah. Well, <laughs> the problem with that is for a lot of them, their brains have already gotten programmed to get them to a state of calm through technology. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's easy for me to say that, like, yeah, for the first hour you're home. But for a lot of them, getting online or going to YouTube or like that is how they decompress. That is phones how their are, brain, you know. Yeah, phones are meant to be so addictive. That, so that's going to be a challenge. Yeah. You know, so we can talk about it and, and have some fun with it. But <clears> it's really difficult if you've got kids or teenagers that are already in that pattern to try to begin to move them away from that pattern and sure. do it in a way where um, you don't try to make them think that the technology is quote-unquote bad or wrong. You're just yeah. trying to create some distinctions. Yeah. You know, One of the things that I still seems weird to me. Now, again, let me show my age. Okay, let me show my age, all okay. right? All right. I see this um, anytime there's a big crowd. I remember watching the Braves win the World Series this year, and they would go to when the Braves were playing in Houston. There were all these people that would gather in Atlanta outside their stadium, and they're all there. You can see this at a concert or like a big event. When, when I was growing up, if you were at something like that and you wanted to capture the moment, you had to pull out a camera <laughs> and you would take a picture of what's going on in front of you. Yeah. 
Now at all of these things, everybody pulls out their phone and they the take selfie. A, a picture of themselves yeah. at that. Yeah. That's a shift. Yeah. That is a cultural shift that no one said, hey, from now on, mm-hmm. instead of taking a picture of what's in front of you, just capture yourself at it and that's how you'll remember this. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, no. I don't know how to think that way. Yeah. Okay. But but there's a whole generation of people who do. So yeah. I can I can look at them all wrong. I could look at all of them and go, "You're all wrong. You need a camera like me." Or I could try <laughs> to go, "All right, they 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 do this differently. What are some things I need to learn? But then what are some things I can offer to maybe help? You know? And if you've got kids, trust me, if you gave them a smartphone, they don't have one. They'd be more likely to flip it around on themselves and to take a picture of what's in front of them. <laughs> the, the, these are the kind of the differences that I'm talking about. And yeah. COVID accelerated a lot of these shifts and changes that were happening. Yes, they did. They really did. You know, like going to a concert now, you're right. Like people, it's completely different. Like as a musician, I sit there and I'm like, I'm watching the band and, and going, this is amazing. And then I look over and like someone younger than me is taking a selfie of themselves so it's it is a completely different i don't understand it um well yeah and i think a lot of it is because we live our lives online we want to capture in our life mm -hmm. what we can share online and yeah I, i do that with my kids a lot yeah for different things but i'm I'm doing that because I'm celebrating something and frankly because a lot of their grandparents and aunts and uncles like aren't with them and yeah. it's a great way for them to see what's going on in their life. But a lot of people do that with everything happening in their life. Yes. And um again, I'm not trying to be the old dude saying get off my lawn. I'm just trying to say it's a difference. And <laughs> yeah. so we have to pay attention and try to learn and and speak into that yeah. from a biblical worldview. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I agree with you on that. And that you're not being the old guy on the lawn. I appreciate that. Um Maybe maybe I'm on the old guy too on the you lawn. You and me one day, <laughs> yeah, we'll be old guys together yeah, sitting we'll on the be lawn. Sitting That'd on the lawn awesome. together. All right. So you talked about COVID being the great accelerator. Uh, explain that. Like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So we talked about that in a number of different ways that accelerated mm-hmm. things. So with technology and our kids, when we moved everything about school to virtual learning, mm-hmm. that forever made COVID the great accelerator. Okay. So prior to that date, Technology Mm -hmm. was something that they would use at school. Technology was something that they would use at home. Yeah. But all of a sudden, technology became the way they did school at home. Yeah. (laughs) That accelerated things. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, when that first happened, it was like, okay, is this going to be for a week or two? Yeah. How long is this going to go on? Right. You know, um, and you got to think about this, you know, now, you know, these teachers didn't really get much of a heads up. No. And they're trying to figure out how to do that. The kids are trying to figure out how to do that. The parents are trying to figure out how to do that. Um, and, you know, I'm not trying to get all high and mighty, but I've been an online professor for nine years. Mm-hmm. So online education is a whole different deal. So, you know, I, I have been through hundreds of hours of training on how to be an online teacher and professor professor at the college level for college students to help keep them engaged, to help improve the learning experience, to Mm -hmm. foster community, to foster engagement. Um, And it's not easy. It's very challenging. Um, So for all of this to just kind of be like, oh, that'll work great. Um, Man, it just didn't. That wasn't wasn't fair to anybody. Mm -hmm. And um, what happened then, though, is it forever normalized that to where, you know, now... I mean, are we ever going to have like classic snow days again? Like if it, <laughs> if it ever did snow here. I thought about that. Like, would they let the kids have a snow day? I mean, will it scroll across the bottom of the TV screen that their school's been canceled? School's or is canceled. it just going to be, all right, everybody log on at 9 a.m. The, the movie know? snow day is irrelevant now. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that, okay. But, but the point I'm trying to make is when something happens that's that global of a shift, what it did was it accelerated that timeline for them to normalize technology. Because when you're a kid, school is your job. School is your life. That's what you do with your time. And if now that's happening through technology, well, that it's normalized it. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and again, I've been involved in online education for almost a decade. So I'm not opposed to online education, but here's the difference. The people who previous to COVID were engaged in online education were engaged in it because they chose it. Yeah. 
not yeah. because they had they, to. That was, yeah. So when it chooses you, like what happens for you know the families that don't have high speed internet connection? Mm-hmm. You know, some of the people that need the help with school the most, who are in challenging situations at home, that whole approach left them behind. So you know th- that accelerated things in a in a way that's going to be challenging to kind of re- you know regain regroup. You know, the class of 2020, like none of them got to go to graduations, you know. Um, We recently hired someone who graduated from college in 2020. And like, I'm just still thinking like, how bizarre would that have been, you know. So it accelerated a lot of things. And, um, you know, we get into the third school year. I mean, I remember this school year starting in a week before school started. Like, we just randomly got this email. The kids are going to be required to wear masks. And if you had told me at the end of last school year that that would be happening at the start of this school year, I would have said, well, there's no way that'll happen. Yeah. But yet that's... A- so, you know, the kids have continued to have to do all of these things that the adults are making them do. And, you know, it's affected the learning experience. It's affected being able to make friends. It's affected their emotional state yeah. at school. It's a- And so, yeah, all of those things have been accelerated. And here's where it gets really hard. Those problems then get dropped in the door Um on when they come home, you know? So it's like now mom and dad are having to manage that with the kids. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to blame, you know, um, because the saying hindsight's 2020 is, you know, probably going to always take on a different meaning now, but, but (laughs) if, if we're not at least describing some of the challenges, it's going to be really hard to respond to them appropriately. Right. So yeah, it accelerated a lot of those challenges. Mm. Okay, well, you know, explain. So you talked about yesterday uh, a couple options of responding to it uh, as COVID is the great accelerator. You talked about isolation, saturation, and interpretation. Uh, explain a little bit in detail about. Yeah, that. I think isolation would be fantastic. You know, <laughs> like, like where can I move? Or like I can't get internet service, and you know, I'm kind of isolated from everybody. Mountaintop, you know, um, yeah, maybe some mountains out west. You yeah, know, let's go just settle in. Um, I see the appeal of that. Yeah, um, <laughs> absolutely. I don't think ultimately that's what we've been called to do. I think that Jesus has us here to be a light. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying you don't need to isolate yourself every now and then. Yeah, go on a vacation where there's no yeah, technology. That's I did that. fine. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, all of that, but it's probably not the approach that's very realistic. The saturation, unfortunately, is what I see a lot mm-hmm. is um, parents that just don't think through the ramifications of giving their kids the technology because their their friends' kids have the technology and all those kind of things. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind sharing this on this podcast because I think this is a family discussion. You know, we're doing this for our Vaughn Forest Church family, mm-hmm. but I'd appreciate it if you don't track down my 12-year-old on a Sunday and bring this up with him. Um, because, you know, when I tell stories about my kids, I don't need them being told that I'm telling <laughs> stories about my kids. They're like, Dad, quit telling so, stories about um, me, man. Yeah, but, you know, I have a 12-year-old son who'll be 13 in August. He does not have a smartphone. He's probably the only he's the only kid in his class at school who doesn't have one. Yeah. So that makes him feel weird, probably. Um, He's too sweet to tell me that, um, but I'm sure it does. But we had a long conversation about it after the message because he sits in there, he takes notes, Mm -hmm. and we discuss my sermons, which is actually pretty rewarding to get to do that with your son. That's pretty cool. So we had a long conversation about it. It was a long car ride that we had together, about 30 minutes and I will tell everyone listening to this podcast what I told him. So you get a little insight into how I parent. Right or wrong, <laughs> I'm putting myself out there. I'm going to be a little I'm vulnerable. Honored. I said, Sam, if I, I need you to understand that handing you a smartphone to me feels the exact same as if I handed you a loaded handgun. And I wouldn't give you a loaded handgun unless I, unless I had trained you properly right. on how to, you know, handle guns. I'm not anti-guns, you know, but I wouldn't hand him a a loaded handgun if no one ever taught him how to do it, how to use it, all all those things, gun safety, right? right? Okay. So I said, there will be a point where I'll get you a smartphone, but it won't be until there's been a lot of training so that when that's in your hand, you understand the danger just like you would understand the danger of a loaded handgun, mm-hmm. you you know you also understand like the use of it, the the good things about it. Yeah. But I just said it won't be something where you know oh someone else got one okay let's go get you one. Yeah. Oh you're yeah. turning thirteen in August it's probably time to get you one for your birthday. I said it'll be that thought out and that meticulous. Mm-hmm. 
And Sam is uh, pretty mature for his age. And he just said, you know, dad, I really could see how you're, I could see why you're taking that approach. Yeah. That's really so, mature of yeah, him to say so that. So he may not necessarily like the fact that he doesn't have a smartphone, but he's already had encounters with kids who are showing him things with their smartphones that are inappropriate. Right. And we've had all those conversations. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've had, I have those conversations with my boys when they turn 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done that with both Sam and Jacob. Henry is six. I doubt I'll be able to wait till he's 10. Mm-hmm. It'll probably be more like eight with him. Yeah. Why? Because COVID's the great accelerator. The things yeah. that Henry will deal with at eight, Sam and Jacob didn't deal with at eight. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have to be ahead. I got to be ahead of the game when it comes to these things. So, you know, the saturation thing to me is something to really challenge parents on. Like if you've gone all in with this technology thing with your kids and just let them blend in with the culture, mm-hmm. I assure you there are some things going on right now with that technology that you don't know about. Yeah, And it's time to get all up in their business, like I said yesterday, for their own protection and for their own good. Right. The third option is the interpretation. We're, we're the coaches. We interpret, you know, hey, Sam, you know, has somebody shown you something on their phone they shouldn't show you? Jacob, did somebody show you something they're not supposed to show you? Yeah. Where did it happen? Yeah. Okay. Who was it? Okay. Well, let's call their, <clears throat> no, no, no. All right. How did you react? How did you respond? How did that make you feel? Mm-hmm. What do you, like, I'm, I'm going to help them interpret this. Right. Okay. Out in the open. Like, this is, you know, we're going to talk about these things out in the open. There's not going to be shame associated with these conversations because they didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I remember when we were living in New York, walking around, oh my gosh, just the walk to get to the place where we would hold our worship services, I would see 10 things that would make most people blush, you know? (laughs) And it's like every day in in New York. And I remember thinking to myself, like, man, Sam and I are going to have some really interesting conversations as he gets older, because he's going to be like, what was that, daddy? You know, and I'm going to have to tell him, you know? And then we moved. And I remember when we moved thinking, don't fall into the trap that now because you're going to live in a suburban cul-de-sac that you don't still need to have those conversations. Yeah, the approach is the same. Yeah, so, um, you know, when we drive past, you know, certain things or, you know, they bring up things that the phone, you know, we, we have these conversations. We talk about these things in appropriate ways out in the open so there's no shame associated with it and so that um, they know that I have taken on the role to try to help guide them through this. Do I always get that right? No. I mean, if I ran into something that I wasn't sure how to handle, are there other men I could reach out to to try to get some advice from? Yeah. yeah. But I've committed to like doing things in the light, yeah. you know, raising them so that we're going to have a lot of discussions. And so, you know, we talk about the things they're encountering and then we talk about how we can, you know, try to counter that. And then we have some safeguards in place um, to try to keep our kids from, you know, having to experience that kind of stuff. You know, school buses are, are not going well these days. Yeah. So not every parent has the option of picking their kids up from school. But um, I'm, I'm very hesitant to put my kid on a school bus mm. because um, I know what's happening on those school buses. And it's totally unsupervised. And it's all these kids with smartphones. And it's just not good. So. Yeah. You know, we've we've had to have a lot of conversations about that. Yeah. You yeah. know, so I, I would just get get what's going on in your kids' lives on your agenda mm-hmm. and 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 get them to a place where they can openly talk about the things that are going on in their lives. Because if you don't help them process that and coach them through that, they will find someone else who will. They will. It'll probably yeah. be someone online and, and it won't be good. Yeah. So, you know, that's just that's what parenting looks like today. Yeah. I wish parenting looked more like it looked 20 or 30 years ago, (laughs) but it doesn't. So we've got to parent the way that we have to parent today, not 10 years ago, not 10 years from now, Yeah, today. And that's what it looks like today. Well, so for me, you know, Sam sounds very mature on how he handled, you know, that conversation, but maybe for some of the other kids uh, and parents when they're having these conversations, how can you help them better understand like the spiritual benefits uh, and practical benefits of choosing to do the opposite of you know what everything else the majority is telling them to do. Leverage the technology for their spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. So the YouTube Bible app, not YouTube, uh, UVersion. U-verse. YouTube is the, I knew what yeah, you meant. I knew dude, what you perfect. Meant. That's what I watch on YouTube. Yeah. The UVersion Bible app. Uh-huh. The Right Now Media app. Yeah. 
get some apps going in your digital life and in their digital life. Like go through a Bible reading plan together mm-hmm. using the YouVersion Bible app. Yeah. You know, watch a video series on the Right Now Media app. And if you don't have a Right Now Media account, like email one of us and yeah, we'll we send can, you the link. Yeah. It's free. It's one of the things it's we awesome. provide, you know, for our church family. It's basically like Netflix for Christians. Like yeah, there's all these different awesome. Bible studies and kids studies and Every season of my kids' lives, we have accessed different resources from Right Now Media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've got little kids, I mean, it's hard to beat the little monster trucks that, you know, talk that talk Wait, about. What? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's awesome, man. You know, um, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, Meteor. Meteor and his monster truck friends. I mean, there's all these great lessons. I'm going to go find that. Three, three two, one penguins, man. <laughs> three, two, one penguins, man. That, that's my role. I mean, I could quote you three, two, one penguins here all day from when my boys were little. But as they've gotten older, yeah. like we've explored other things mm-hmm. in Right Now Media that we watch together. I recently watched the Bible series that came out on the History Channel in 2013. You can purchase yeah. that. I purchased it through YouTube. I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, and we sat down in the evenings after we put Henry to bed because he's six and, you know, I, I, he's a little too young, <laughs> but I watched it with Sam and Jacob and we had lots of good discussions about it. So I heard that was a really good. It's fantastic. Yeah. The, uh, I have not seen yet um, The Chosen, the one that's come out about the disciples. Okay, yeah. I've heard a lot of great things about it from some friends. So at some point I'll watch that with the boys and we'll have some discussions okay. about it. Um, so what you want to do is try to point them in the direction of really positive things from uh, um, technology. Toby Mac, uh, during the shutdown, put out a whole lot of really great uh, videos of he and his band playing their songs together mm-hmm. with kind of like the Zoom kind the, of look the and diverse feel. city Oh, my gosh, yeah. They it, it, are awesome. So my boys, like, to the, we'll still pull those up from time to time mm-hmm. and watch those. Um so what you're trying to do is help them see all of the good that can also come from technology. We watch, um, you'll appreciate this as a, as a worship leader, um, I'll pull up a lot of live uh, worship music, like a, it's a band and they're doing a worship set mm-hmm. in an arena or at yeah. another church, you know, and you can watch that and they see like thousands of people like worshiping Jesus. Mm-hmm. and. They're like, wow, that's awesome, and you know, yeah. I love that song, and and then we'll talk about that, and so you're just you're you're just trying to like be on, on the on the defensive side. Okay, what are some what are some boundaries? What are some rules? What are some yeah. restrictions? But then get on the offensive side as well. How can I proactively engage technology from a positive perspective? I am a big fan of Dude Perfect. So Dude Perfect, they're on YouTube. Um, if you haven't ever searched Dude Perfect on YouTube, do yourself a favor and search <laughs> Dude Perfect on YouTube. I'm not being paid by Dude Perfect to say this. Like and subscribe. But there are five guys <laughs> who love Jesus, love their yeah. wives, love their kids. Yeah. And they produce content that's fantastic. So, you know, find the things out there that are really good and reinforcing what you're trying. You know, we, we have, um, we have uh, these guys. It's called the So-and-So Show. At the so and so show, yeah. Ask if your kids are involved in our Von Force Kids Ministry. Ask them about the so and so show, okay. and then have a seat because they're going to talk your ears off. You know, a lot of <laughs> kids riding home from church on Sundays. What'd you learn about today? Uh, Jesus. You know, it's like, yeah. G- how can you say it was wrong? You know, yeah. they didn't. I mean, Jesus' name. They learned something from the Old Testament, but you know, so kids can't retain anything they learn from mm-hmm. church. Ask your kids about the so and so show. They'll tell you everything. My boys talk about the so and so show all the time. Well, why? Well, it's these two guys that are creating a format to deliver content in a way that engages their hearts, souls, minds. It's funny. It's memorable. The kids are learning God's Mm -hmm. word through a medium that matches the way that they learn. And so we bring that into our children's ministry environments, you know, because that's how kids learn today. And they're ultimately, they're the test. You know, not, is that how I want to learn? Not, is that how I want to teach? But how can they retain things? And so the so-and-so show... Again, it's just one of the ways. So mm-hmm. we try to bring, so at home, just try to bring in as many things as possible to help reinforce these things. Yeah, that's that's fun. The so and so. The so and so show. Yeah, right. absolutely. I'm gonna go. I, I don't have a kid, so I don't know how I'm gonna <laughs> just find one and run around here on Sunday. They'll <laughs> tell right, you all, all about right. it, Matt. The so and so show. Yeah. All right. Um, so this is a little bit of a different topic, but um, the uh, submitting to authority that is a hot topic item. You know. Um, and I think it's because the younger generation is kind of jaded by authority. So what does it mean to biblically um, submit 
to authority. Yeah, try don't make it big, make it small. Mm-hmm. Like, who are the kids' authority figures in your life right yeah. now, in their lives right now, and teach them to be respectful to those authority figures. Mm-hmm. You know, my kids, you know, if they say something bad about you know somebody at their school, and and it's never their teachers, it's like. Some you know a custodian or a librarian. Yeah. Or he's like you don't even know them. Like you know, <laughs> you so had like five like, seconds of a like, conversation. You know, no, they're the adult. Yeah. You're not. So you have you. Know, so you're trying to just build in a healthy level of respect for authority. You know, if they play sports with mm-hmm. their coach, you know, with their teachers here at church on Sundays, yeah. who's the adult in the room? Do they listen? Do they follow instruction? Um, when an adult, an authority points out something about your kid mm-hmm. that needs to shift, do you get defensive or do you say, okay, this is an opportunity for me as a parent, yeah. okay? D- don't get, it, parenting is more about our kids' first names than our last names. Mm-hmm. So many times as parents, we think our parenting is, is reflective of our reputation. And we're so <laughs> prideful that we think if our kids do something, that's going to reflect poorly on me. Well, heaven help us if we're running our parenting decisions <laughs> through the filters of us, okay? We parent for their first name, not our last name. Yeah. So somebody points out, hey, you know, having some issues here, being disrespectful, not following instruction. Okay, yeah. I appreciate you letting me know that. Now, as the parent, I'm going to try to help guide them towards a healthy respect or authority. And here's the rule in our home. You always do what the adult says unless the adult tells you to do something different than what Jesus says. Mm-hmm. And my kids have yet to run into that scenario. <laughs> and there's a good chance growing up in Pike Road, Alabama, they won't run into that right. scenario, yeah. okay? Yeah. But yeah, if someone ever told one of my kids, renounce Jesus Christ as your Savior, like, they're probably going to say, I'm not doing that. So like, right. yes, I understand there is a line where you have to, you know, disrespect the authority if the authority is telling us to do something counter yeah. to what God's Word has done. That's probably not going to happen. Yeah. That's probably not going to happen. The biggest reason our kids need to learn authority now is because it will benefit them later. Hmm. Um. Most people in their 20s just do terribly at work because they were raised in a culture that made their opinion the most important opinion. And they go to work yeah. and they still think that. Yeah. They think that way. They think that their opinion is the most important opinion. And at work, I promise you, it's not the most important opinion. <laughs> but they don't know how to they don't know how to function in that world. So yeah. they bounce around from job to job to job. Yeah. And the boss is always the problem. The supervisor is yeah. always the problem. That person's a dictator. Well, all they did was ask you when you were coming back for lunch. <laughs> like that that's not hey, really man. a sign of a dictator, you know? Hey, just the, you know, yeah. like two hours. Yeah, for yeah, lunch. two hour lunch break, a bit much. <laughs> a bit so, much. You know, I remember, and again, this is, you know, I've been working now for over 20 years, but I can remember early on, you know, full-time job talking to my dad. And like I said something one time about um, an idea that I had, and he, and he just said, well, you do know that your boss isn't paying you for your ideas. <laughs> That's a like, good dad right there, man. What do you man? mean? He goes, he goes, don't take that the wrong way. He goes, what your boss needs you to do is help them accomplish what mm-hmm. they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And if while you're doing that, you see some better ways that can help them, mm-hmm. that's really helpful. But don't try to always get your idea. He goes, you know, and I I just remember thinking what helpful guidance and yeah. advice that my dad gave me. And and I think that when it comes to authority, if you want your kids to shine, just teach them how to be respectful to authority. Because listen, <laughs> as someone who's around a lot of kids, um, there's a lot of kids that are very disrespectful towards authority. Mm-hmm. And so the ones that are respectful, man, they stick out in the, the right way uh, yeah. because a lot of parents just aren't teaching their kids these kind of things. Man. Yeah. Um, so how do we live and help others live in in a submissive to authority, to be submissive to authority? How do we do that? Well, I mean— your own holiness matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, do are we submitting ourselves to what God's word says? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a very unpopular thing to do very. in our culture. Um, are we submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit's conviction in our lives? Um, you know, I, I think that the the desire that we have to submit our lives to the Lord's leading mm-hmm. and the follow through that we show and demonstrate mm-hmm. in doing that has a direct correlation to whether or not our kids will submit to authority, right. you know? Yeah. So the authority in our lives is, you know, the Lord, God's word. But then I would also say, you know, are there some people in your lives that you have voluntarily chosen to let be your authority? Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a group of men in our church. I know they meet on Tuesday nights and these guys 
voluntarily choose to let one another be the authority in one another's life. Yeah. That's helpful. That's, that's so really... they, they encourage one another, but they can also admonish one another when needed. Mm-hmm. And I, so I think that we can model that for our kids through the relationships we have and giving people permission to speak into our lives and point out things that just need to be pointed out. Right. And when they get pointed out, not defending ourselves, but owning it. So all of those things matter in a supernatural way, and they matter in our own character development. Mm-hmm. And our kids, again, more is caught than is taught. They're right. going to pick up on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you talked about you know building up our character and stuff like that. Um, let's talk about routines and structure. Yeah. Um, can you give me some examples of a good practical you know routine and structure? I think everybody listening to this podcast live would get better if they would put a little bit more structure into their life. Yeah. Okay. So the problem with adults is a lot of times we don't have someone telling us that we need to have structure, so we don't self-impose structure. But structure is what is given to you through all of your developmental years, whether mm-hmm. you're homeschool, Christian school, private school, public school, you know, somebody's structuring your day for yeah. you. Okay. <laughs> Someone's going to do it for you. When you get to work, you know, usually it's structured, you know, even if you're working from home, there's some structure to it. So do you put structure in your life or is your life just kind of like a fly by the seat of your pants? Okay. Mm-hmm. And even if your personality is a little bit more spontaneous, you still need to have some structure. Yeah. We already have structure. Let me tell you what our structure is called. Three meals a day and we sleep at night. We're all kind of following <laughs> that structure. Okay. So basic here's, structure. Right here's there. a really good structure. Just eat at mealtimes. Yeah. Don't eat at other. Don't eat at other times. You'll probably be healthier. Probably. Here's a good structure. <laughs> Only sleep when it's time to sleep. Don't sleep in the middle of the day when you're supposed to be at work. Sleep at night. So I'm, I'm trying to be kind of, you know, funny here, but but we already have some structure in our life. Yeah. Okay. That's Someone, the vanilla structure. Maybe the structure is I need to start waking up an hour earlier every day than I wake up. Yeah. You know, I could probably get more done if I woke up an hour earlier. Someone says, I could never do that. Well, I hate to break it to you, but in two weeks, you're going to have to do it because the time's <laughs> going to change again. All right. So, oh, you know, man. Yeah. So, yeah. it's like that structure forces us yeah. to do this. Okay. Who came up with that? So, I mean, can we... you create some structure in your life that forces you to do things? So, let me give you like a, a helpful place to start. Mm-hmm. Think of your day as 90-minute chunks of time Mm. with 30 minutes in between each of those chunks of time. Yeah. Okay, and then could you structure your day accordingly? So I got car line, I got this, I got that, you know, I got lunch, I got breakfast, I got work, I got... I'm going to look at my day and I'm going to look at it through the lens of 90-minute chunks of time with 30 minutes in between. And the reason why is your brain, after about 90 minutes, is going to lose focus. Right. Most people have never sat down and focused for 90 straight minutes, okay? But you can do it. And I bet you'd be really productive if you did one thing for 90 minutes. Like if you cleaned your house for 90 minutes without looking at your phone, if you did laundry for 90 minutes, if you tried to read a book for 90 minutes, if you tried to get your taxes done for 90 minutes, if you you get the point. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And then you got 30 minutes. Yeah. Chill time. Yeah. Run around the yard. Get on Facebook. It's you know, so text crazy your friends. It's so you know? crazy that you're mentioning that. Like, I, I, um, I, um, I do like a newsletter for the worship team, but part of it I, I put on there is like, hey, here's a better way to structure your time. Um, and it like there's these study break sessions. They'll do a fifty to ten, right? You know, twenty five five. And they structure it throughout the day. It's like, play this at work. I promise you, you'll probably be better. So maybe I'm a little ambitious with my 90 minutes and 30. Well, maybe I mean, it's you can... 45 and 15. <laughs> that might be a good place <laughs> maybe, to yeah, start. I right? mean, yeah. So, but you can you can structure it like that. There are things that that and and I'm gonna say something that's really weird because I'm nerding out because like I I love this kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. But if if you would try this, uh-huh. so my whole. Like my Monday through Thursday is this, mm-hmm. um, and you know this. I mean, you yeah, work you, with me. you kind of every have to. minute of my day is structured, yeah. and if it gets thrown off a little bit, right? You know, I struck, I plan, structure every. You know, so um, what's weird about our brains is your brain begins to recognize the structure. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm telling you, like this is going to sound weird to somebody's listening right now, but my brain knows the time of the week that it's time to write a sermon. Yeah. It just knows. Yeah. Like I sit down at the same place. I have the same view. It's the same time. And my brain's like, let's go. And like <laughs> we start writing. Yeah. My brain knows the same time every week that I meet with you. Yeah. You know, because that's a set time. I, it doesn't change. And so 
what what happens is like when we record this podcast, right? Like the hour leading up to this podcast, I do the same thing every week. Yes. Then we do this podcast, and then we go to the same meeting after, after this podcast. Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, it's a very boring existence we lead. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is we actually function better Way in better. the structure. Way better. If we showed up here today and went, what are we going to do today? What are we going to talk about I today? Mean, what on earth, right? Yeah. So. I'm just simply saying, like, try that at home. Yeah. Build some structure for your kids. Hey, the first 30 minutes when my kids get home from school, here's what we do. Yeah. The next 30 minutes, here's what we do. Mm-hmm. The next 30 minutes, here's what we do. The next, like, give that to them and lead them through it. And I think it'll be helpful. And have some fun with it. You know, yeah. try some different things. If you try a structure and it doesn't work, try something different. But yeah. everybody could use a little more structure in their lives. Yeah. I think it would help all of us. So, you know, find those areas and... I mean, if, if you can't figure it out, there's lots of resources. Maybe we'll do a whole podcast, Matthew. We need to. On structure and structure, And our moms will listen and our no mom- one else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, man. Structure is important and you can have some fun with it. Um, so, you know, the next generation, I, I, I can kind of see that they're really passionate about making a difference in, the, in today's world. How do we help them see that God wants them to use that to point people to Jesus. How do we help them see that? Expose them to some examples that are already happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned Dude Perfect earlier. We That's talk about those guys, um, 50 million subscribers on YouTube, yeah. and they're telling people about Jesus, mm-hmm. but they're doing it in a way that um, it, it, it it's relevant to where people's lives are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the story of Tom Shoes is fantastic <laughs> and how all of that got started. You know, one guy who had this idea and, you yeah. know, so what you want to try to help them see is that it's never been easier for one person to make a great impact. Yeah. You don't have to put the pressure of changing the world on their shoulders, but like they can actually be someone that God uses. Mm-hmm. And the technology that we have today makes it easier for that to happen. So what we what we want to make sure that our kids understand is that this technology could actually be the way we finally fulfill the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. Most yeah. Christians don't know that there are still places on earth that the gospel message has not reached. I mean, that, that's crazy. That's... That in 2022, that there are still places people have never heard the name Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we have been given a great task that has not been completed yet. I do think that technology and the internet and you know being online and all of the things can be leveraged to complete that task and i think our kids generation can be the ones that do it yeah so we want to make sure we cultivate that in their hearts as well mm-hmm. and um i really believe that god could raise up um some of the kids in our children's ministry to be adults one day that you know they're not just missionaries that go to live in other countries they're missionaries through creating some type of online whatever that mm-hmm. takes the gospel, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. The gospel yeah. message to the ends yes. of the earth. So we want to make sure that we're also, you know, planting those seeds so that our kids can dream a little bit and see how the technology could be involved, you know, in their dreaming for what, you know, God has in store for them for their futures. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, um, before we wrap up today, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about something that's coming up here at our church. We have the Better Together Women's uh, Conference. It's happening March 11th. Um, I'm really pumped about that, man. Uh, there's Morgan is putting together a really good team. There's going to be like a panel of women they're talking. Yeah, so um, if you haven't signed up yet, ladies, you need to sign up. Yeah. It's not that far away. It's not... This Friday night, but the following Friday night. At, so, at 6.30 um, yeah. is when it starts. So I know we've got um, over 100 women who have already registered so far. Which is awesome. It's going to be a great evening. It's going to be really good food, great panel, great mm-hmm. discussion, great friendships. And ladies, you're going to leave encouraged. Yeah. So um, I, I would encourage you to sign up. And then, you know, hey, if, if, if you're a guy and you're listening right now, like tell your wife you need to go to that. You know, yeah. And you hold the fort down for the evening. And um, we're doing something for the men this spring. Yeah. Just so guys know, we haven't forgotten about you as well. But yeah, this is all about the ladies. And I mm-hmm. do think that all of us are better together. Mm-hmm. And I think women getting together with other women, they're going to leave super encouraged. So yeah, make sure you, if you haven't signed up, ladies, that you do that. Where can they sign up for that? Vonforce.com. Vonforce.com. Well, that'll do it for today. Adam, thank you so much for jumping in and talking with us about this. I think this is a super important topic to hit. And um I'm excited to see what people do with this content. So on the ha- behalf of Adam and me, um, we'll catch you next week.